Hello everyone, and welcome to an actual episode of Glowing Weak Point. As oh, always, are we doing I'm a real one? John. Yeah, we're doing a real one. Oh. See, I was hoping we would just get out of out of work free today. Like, can we just We could not. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. So skipping straight to game facts and uh oh oh even better idea. How about Hey everyone, uh, don't forget, if you really liked this, share this with someone who lives in a dystopia. Alright, we'll see you next week! Bye! <laughs> no, no context for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just... Why not? Yeah. Hey, Wombat, what's your glowing the last two days point? Uh, you know, I actually have a big one. And that's that... Ooh. Since the last time we recorded and didn't release the episode, but I have decided to quit my job. Woo! Yeah, you're going to join the anti-workforce. Well, I'm going to look for, like, part-time work, but in the meantime, like, I can just, I could sit back for legit, like, two months and just not do anything and still have my bills paid. Nice. Yeah. And I'm sick of my fucking job. And so I was talking it over with my girlfriend, and it's just like, okay, just just quit. If it makes you so miserable, just quit. And so I was like, okay. So I'm going to call out my yep. next two days of work. I'm going to work the two days after that, and then I'm done. Nice. And also to get a little bit more out of my insurance, I'm going to the dentist this weekend on Friday and uh, Saturday. Yes. Yes. Yeah, get my <laughs> cavities filled in. All right. Yep. Uh, my glowing weak point is that starting tomorrow, I am on vacation and uh, going to go on a trip. Um, I mean, I guess this comes out after I'm back, so there's no problem in saying that I'm going to Virginia. Ooh. Going to go run around Richmond with some some friends. Are you also house, and, uh, house hunting? Uh, I don't know. Might be looking into a different sort of plan. But yeah, okay. we'll, probably, we'll probably peek at some houses. Yeah, because I know you've been thinking Not... about moving up there. Yeah, it's a pretty place. It's going to be snowing when we go. Ooh. So that's cool. As long as it's not snowing I've too much. Seen snow of substance. Nah, not a not a storm. Just just snow. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I like a Virginia snow. So. I've never seen a Virginia snow, but I imagine <laughs> that a Virginia snow is like really nice because it's like it's it's a north, but it's not too north, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, John, well, do we want to talk about the thing we're supposed to talk about today? Uh, the news? Yeah, the news. Do we really want to do this to ourselves? <laughs> Is that what we want to do? Uh, yeah, yeah, we do. Okay. Here, uh, I'll, I'll hit up some things. Uh, uh, thing number two on our list. Uh, people use the word metaverse to mean things when the word metaverse doesn't mean anything. Right. Uh, yeah, the, the word metaverse is a term that has existed for a while, and then, um, what's-his-face, not actually a human, decided to co-opt it for his company, and, uh, then, uh, it shows up all over the place, despite the fact that the definition of a metaverse is the internet. 
So every time that Jeff, or I was about to say Jeff, every time that Mark Zuckerberg gets mentioned in a newspaper or in like like, like a newsreel, the only picture of him shown should be when he was at the beach with like the clear like padding <laughs> on his butt and and the yeah. face full of fucking sunscreen. looking like an alien trying to go to the beach yeah like it heard of the concept of going to the beach and the basic rituals therein but never having Uh gone to the beach (laughs) Uh, but then again he does own like half of Hawaii now which is stupid does he he owns, he owns, I believe now, 1,600 plus acres of uh, Kauai, which oh, is we one of the islands of Hawaii. That shouldn't be allowed. Give it back to the Hawaiians. That's my stance yeah, on Hawaii. Hawaii. <laughs> I agree. Free Hawaii. Uh, go join the Free Hawaii movement. Right. I, I have pins for, for Free Hawaii. Do you? I, I do. I legitimately do. Oh my god, I want those, because fucking free Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. They don't want to be a state? <laughs> no. Jesus. Um, but yeah, okay, so the news is that some dude in Turkey hooked cows into the metaverse, and so it's 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 a little dystopian, because it's like, hey, we can't let the animals go outside, because uh, the way we deal with animals for food production is horrible right and is the reason why vegans exist and uh the uh so let's let's keep them inside but put vr headsets on them so that they can think they're outside now to be fair it does mention that this was being done when they were trapped indoors during like a severe winter so we don't know Mm. exactly how this guy raises his cows but it's definitely true it's definitely the kind of thing where, like, well, abusive people can do this. I don't know that this guy is abusive, but yeah, he's giving the idea to the ones who are. Yeah. Yeah. But the the main thing, so, so like, that's kind of awful, potentially, but uh, then there's the whole bit about how it's the metaverse. It's not. No, it, he's just not, showing them, no. like, green pastures and blue skies to make them feel better I, while they're trapped indoors. My understanding of the metaverse is that it's a, uh, it's a connective, uh, thread via, well, through which you can, uh, communicate with others, set up meetings and appointments, uh, shop on stores, um, uh, enjoy, like, entertainment, Oh, wait, you can do all of these things on the internet. My understanding of the metaverse is that it's like if you just took your browser and plugged it into Sword Art Online. <laughs> like that, That's what it's, it is, right? It's, all it is is it's a VR overlay of the internet. Yeah. But I don't want that. No, it's it's dystopian as fuck, <laughs> and also I don't it looks that. bad. <laughs> oh yeah, not a single like, one of I, these I fucking. There's multiple of them at this point, and none of them yeah. look good at all. They all look like no. PS1 or early PS2 era 
graphics. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. this is uh, the way of the future. I'm sorry, this was 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Kingdom Hearts 1 looks better than the metaverse. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, there, there's that one. Okay. You pick one? Uh, sure. You know, so there's this guy on YouTube, Totally Not Mark, who's been fighting with Toei for months now. Because what Toei... So what Totally Not Mark does... I looked at his um, YouTube channel before we started talking. I've never heard of him before. But... Yeah, me either. But what he does is he'll do, like, like um, analysis videos on, like, Berserk and Dragon Ball episodes and themes and stuff. And for a while he was doing, like, a 100% blind review of One Piece. And all of those properties are owned by Toei. And yeah. Toei was just mass flagging his videos. Like, all of a sudden, he got more than 150 copyright claims against his um, his reviews. Yeah. And he was fighting this for ages, and what, what happened is YouTube intervened, which he's lucky that YouTube actually did anything for him. <laughs> but... Yeah. What, what? Yeah, the, I like I like the new rule they put in. Yeah, we'll which, get there. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. I just want to explain the situation a bit further to show how shitty Toei is. But what, YouTube was like, uh, hey, that's not a, a proper use of our fair fair use copyright policy policy. And Toei was and they were like, um, provide evidence that you're doing this properly. And instead of doing that, uh, they just reported, uh, like, a whole bunch more of his videos. <laughs> and then YouTube, uh, YouTube's like, um, can we reach any kind of understanding? And what Toei did was, now they provided a list of 86 videos of those 150 that they said mm -hmm. shouldn't be on YouTube. And it's like, like at, at that point, why did you flag 150? If only these 86 yeah. shouldn't be on YouTube. And so you can just throw the whole mm -hmm. thing out. Like, <laughs> they're not being yeah, fair. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and finally, he was able to get it so that um, Toei's not, not allowed to claim his shit anymore. <laughs> well, s sort of. Um, basically, the way it works now is that a... Uh, because the, there's there's different fair use laws like it's not the u.s fair use laws are not the world fair use laws right the united and, nations is a meaningless body and so we don't have rules that cover the entire globe for things like this yeah <laughs> so um so for for in this case like toei animation is a japanese company and they have uh basically no fair use laws uh, it's incredibly strict, and um, and so what he did was not fair use in Japan, right? So the the new law, uh, the new rules in YouTube are that uh, if you have something taken down for fair use in Japan, it's taken down in Japan. 
Yeah, it, it's a it's a localized thing now, so that they can be like, well, we don't want your videos up in Japan, and we can legally do yeah. that, but in the United States, like we can't do anything. And now your your mm-hmm. channel is also not in jeopardy, also of being like just deleted. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what can happen so, when shit when companies do shit like this. It's yes, it's absurdly in the company's favor. Mm-hmm. And, and what I will say is also that I think this only came about because Toei is not a huge company anymore. Like in the nineties, they were the biggest, oh huge. They yeah. were, but now they pretty much only have One Piece. And they they yeah. they don't do well with it. It's like the One Piece anime is criticized a lot, and that's pretty much all Toei does anymore. Um, and, and I'm reminded of like there was a period of several years where Nintendo was very harsh about fair use, and they're also a Japan-based company. And you'll notice that this never came up when it was Nintendo doing this. It was always, like, <laughs> Nintendo just gets to take down whatever they want. Yeah. But but when it's Toei, it's, okay, we can find some sort of a, a workaround here. And supposedly, like, like, this article was updated a little bit before we started recording. Supposedly, this isn't even a new policy. It's just actually applying the rule. So it's another ah. instance of YouTube having a policy and not using it. Which is what they do consistently because they are All a the bad time. platform. All the time. <laughs> uh, so what do you want to talk about okay. next, John? Let's see. I don't care about Nintendo. You can talk about that if you want. Um, hey, so you know that game Wordle? Yeah. I played it. I played it for the first time yesterday. Don't tell me anything about it. I still refuse to learn even the basics of I, what it is. <laughs> I failed it. I failed. I, I I did not succeed at the daily wordle. And I went, oh, this is neat. And then I probably will never pick it up again. <laughs> Opened up your Simon Tatham's up, puzzle games. <laughs> damn straight i did right (laughs) um so uh yeah no uh someone decided to rip off wordle and by someone i mean about a hundred people decided to rip off wordle and put it on apple and uh android stores and whether they're actually called directly wordle or some other thing uh most of them are taken down at this point because the original developer who made Wordle made it for free with no ads and no way to give money. It's just it's just a game that's out there now. Yeah. Um which, you know, is is pretty cool. And the fact that he said that he will never ever monetize it. Yeah, that's that's cool. And then uh a bunch of these are monetized and on like like, why do you need an app to play Wordle when it's literally just a web page? Anyone can go to the web page. But let's name our douchebag of the day real quick. Uh, tech- okay, so so there is there's <laughs> one person in particular, Zach Shaked, yeah, who uh, decided uh, at the beginning of 2022 
uh, that he was going to resolve to be more vulgar and make tons of fucking money, uh, which he 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 certainly tried. Yeah, he, he really succeeded at least halfway. <laughs> he uh, threw a few the, punches. The, yeah, the the game is called Wordle, the app. It's it, so like it's it's definitely like on the nose exactly what it is. It is the game, uh, and he, now well, it's I called Wordle hyphen the app. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will give a little bit of credit. He did do a tiny bit of extra dev because Wordle is a game where you guess five-letter words, but he also included a segment, you know, other options where you could guess four, six, and seven-letter words in addition. But it's got ads and you have to pay for the features. Uh, And then... Then uh, he had to take himself off of Twitter because, uh, well, <laughs> because he stole a dude's game and monetized it. it. <laughs> yeah, and then tried to now, defend it. Now, legally, he didn't do anything wrong. No, but that's just because our laws don't cover people with generous hearts. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it comes down to. If Josh Wordle had um, monetized Wordle in any way, then this would have been extremely illegal. Yes. Yeah. Um, Well, no, technically, as long as you don't trademark it, then you can still be. Right, but I'm not sure he would have been able to monetize it without a trademark. Oh, yeah, sure. You can monetize anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so anyways, yeah. Uh, while he didn't do anything illegal, he was a shitbag. And as such, uh, he he has taken the game off. Whether that was on his decision or Apple's. Right, the Apple um, just says that um, Apple has removed... I said the Apple. The update has yeah. said Apple has since removed... Um, this game, as well as a, a, a number of other copycats. Mm-hmm. So he he does he did come back eventually and say that uh, he crossed a line and he'll never do anything remotely close to this again and that he fucked up, which is correct. All of those things are correct. Uh-huh. Do we believe so, him? Uh... <laughs> Yeah, no, I I do, because the internet remembers things, and he'll probably remember that the internet remembers things. Oh, no, I don't think he's going to do this exact thing again, but he he was also labeled as a tech entrepreneur in this Kotaku article, article. so I don't trust anything. (laughs) Previously, previously he was a nobody. Now he's the asshat who monetized Wordle. Yeah. (laughs) People are watching him now. Nobody gave a shit before. Now people give a shit, and he's got eyes on his back. He's he's gonna toe the line or uh, die. <laughs> I'm hoping that eventually he'll just do another fire fest. I, I want him to be the next oh, fire fest guy. <laughs> I love it. What a terrible company! Like, yeah. Literally every company involved with that. <laughs> uh, tell me about something that's not Microsoft. 
Okay, well, th this is something that it in interests me in particular, because I have this game coming in the mail for me right now. But uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus has been, l like, a very, like, looked-at game in the, the past few months. Like, people are waiting with bated breath to see what Pokemon is doing with this game. And Nintendo has been absolutely fucking mouth-shut about it. Just every single trailer is just like, look at all these Pokemon. Uh, but, 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 but how does your game work? What is the basic loop of the game? <laughs> they put out, uh, I, I talked about this in the Discord uh, earlier. Uh, they put out a trailer where they, they said in the title that it would show like the final evolutions of the starters. Which are our previous starters. Um, it's Cyndaquil, Rowlet, and uh, fucking Oshawott. Which are like starters from three different generations. But it's assumed mm -hmm. that they have different final evolutions in this one. Because it's like a past time and they're in a different region. Um, yeah. And they, they, they put up this video saying like, oh, we're going to show you the final evolution. Doesn't. Does not. They're maybe on screen in silhouette behind a whole bunch of particle effects for a frame. Like, it's impossible to even pause the game and see what they might look like. Or pause the pause the trailer. And, and so, as a result of this, when the game started leaking out online, a lot of people were like, let's just look at this shit. Because, <laughs> because Nintendo doesn't want us to. Let's just see what it's like. And so for a while, people were uh, streaming it on Twitch and shit way before the game was supposed to come out. Because it comes out tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so anybody yeah. streaming it right now is, uh, <laughs> how'd you get that? Yeah. <laughs> um, but finally, the reviews are allowed to come out because review embargoes are still allowed to exist. And it's a really good game, people say. The, the basics of it is that it's it's not going to be like such a battle focused game and it's instead going to focus more on um, catching the Pokemon themselves and uh, like it's not just one Pokemon gets it in the Pokedex or anything. It's like catch 10 Pokemon, catch 10 of the same Pokemon and you unlock a thing. And so the, like the catching mm -hmm. mechanics are what's important. Um, and yeah. it's going to be much more of like an open world kind of monster hunter-ish area where it's like you have these different regions that are separate from each other. But when you're in there, it's like a big space that you're moving around in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and people like it. They say that it's it looks messy because it does. Because, uh, I mean, it's it's Nintendo and everything they, they make looks five years behind. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, like the yeah. game itself really is old. fun. So cool. it, it's really it's really nice that a game was able to come out despite all of the fucking hush hush about it and be good. Because usually when there's a lot of hush hush, a game comes out shit. <laughs> yeah. But how could you make Arceus shit? I mean he's the god of all Pokemon. Or it's a Mew. It's unclear. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, John, what do you want to talk about next? Hey, so uh, Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard. Oh! It's, 
it's cool that they now own all of those properties because there are some pretty good properties in there. And maybe Microsoft will do the right thing and fire literally everyone at the top level of Activision Blizzard. But I'm calling it now they won't. Like the the thing with the like there's a lot to talk about here. Um the the big thing is that if they jettison um Bobby Kotick in particular, he walks away with almost three hundred million dollars. On top of all of the billions he has stolen from his company in the time that he's been the CEO. Yeah. Like, no, even, like, like if they jettison him as a result of, of um, merging the companies, he walks away with $300 billion. If they fire him for no cause, he still walks away with $262 million. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, like, there's no, there's no getting out of just they hand him a bunch of money, the this abusive fucking dick bag. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And, and as far as the actual um, merger itself goes, what what I've heard speculated is that this is this and the Bethesda acquisition before is Microsoft trying to get xbox to be relevant in places that are not america and europe yeah like they really well, want with starcraft yeah you're you're gonna get that yeah like, they really want to get into like the chinese the japanese these like other south asian markets the like, that's where they want to be and they just are not if you look at their numbers yeah. for for like xbox sales in japan and shit it, it it's almost nothing yeah well i mean on the other side of that um playstation doesn't sell well like consoles don't sell well in japan yes yeah. it's a handheld country like everyone just use like that's why switch has a chance because it's a handheld even though they're not going to use that they just have their phone which has honestly better games to a degree (laughs) (laughs) but but you're right like like when it comes down to consoles versus phones phones always win out in japan and part of that is because they have like a just a culture of bad work-life balance over there (laughs) (laughs) but but also like when it does come down to just consoles playstation outperforms them like massively if you look at the numbers in japan like playstation would be a monopoly (laughs) Mm, yeah yeah but like that's how devastating it is to to xbox but if they get a whole bunch of these these companies like bethesda and activision to put their games only on xbox then it becomes a thing where like hey maybe these people will start buying Xboxes because they want to play the next fucking Crash Bandicoot or whatever. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I don't think it's so much a pull as that. And and also, like, here's the thing about Blizzard. Blizzard has a bunch of games on consoles. But Blizzard has never, ever been a console company. And that's that's why when you think of Microsoft and and we talk about video games, so often Xbox comes to the fore. 
But that's not what oh, Microsoft makes. A big Microsoft part of this is also PCs. Game Pass. But, oh, yeah. yeah no, I mean, <laughs> obviously, Game Pass. But Game Pass, again, is also on PC. Yes, that's what I mean. So, like, yeah, getting like, it over like, onto Game Pass gets it on PC, and now Microsoft's getting some money from it. I mean, it's already like that's that's what it is. Like Blizzard makes PC games. Yeah, every single game that Blizzard has is a PC game. Um, there 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 just aren't others. Well, I'm confused about what's going to happen with Battle.net, and maybe they're going to start putting other games on Battle.net that aren't necessarily Blizzard, or maybe they'll do away with Battle.net, which is like would be weird considering Battle.net is iconic um I mean, my guess is they yeah. do away with battle net that's my they put everything on game pass and that's the place you get it from yeah that, or maybe they'll just rebrand uh game pass as uh battle net. <laughs> I, I seriously battle net is an icon yeah uh, it's yeah it is but i don't think xbox super cares <laughs> I don't think Microsoft really gives a shit that much. It's a brand, and brands sell. So I, I, I genuinely think that. I mean, buying Blizzard, a big part of that is just buying the brand Battle.net. Yeah, maybe. Like, yeah, I, I, I genuinely believe that. So maybe so they'll keep it up. I'm, I'm interested to see what they do. Um. It's also worth noting that um, this is really only able to happen because of all the allegations that have come out about Activision Blizzard yeah. in the past year. <laughs> that it, it its stock dropped precipitously, like, and that's the only reason why yeah. Microsoft was able to buy it because even at this like at this point they still had to spend sixty eight point seven billion dollars. To get it. Yeah. And um, it's also worth remembering that there are like actual people tied up in all of this too. Who are trying to get unionized. And Activision yeah. is really working against them to do that. And if it doesn't happen before Activision is sold. Which is supposed to happen somewhere between July this year and July next year. Um, probably depending on when the, uh, is it the FCC or the FTC, whichever fucking economic commission is in charge of F this shit. FTC. Yeah, the FTC, whenever they approve it, and they will, um, th that's when it's going to be done. Yeah, I think it's likely that they will, although it's, there's always questions when you're talking about a company this large buying something, especially with a series of large purchases one after another. Yeah, like with the Bethesda just, thing we just, just had Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah. And Bethesda's a big name. Shitty, but a big name. So like Microsoft buying that and then turning around and buying another big name of Blizzard, like that's I could see the FTC starting to raise their eyebrows. Oh, I Although, definitely believe that Congress opinion, people are going to be looking at it like, hmm, maybe we shouldn't do that, but that ultimately it's going to be done because our country is garbage. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like, I think there's going to be a I mean, conversation like, around it, but it will happen inevitably. Mm-hmm. There's still several non-connected publishers out there. Like, you know, you've, you've still got EA, and you've still got Ubisoft. Square um, Enix. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you've still got some big names out there that aren't, you know, proprietary to uh, PlayStation or Xbox or Nintendo. But it's it's getting close to a uh, a Disney situation. Yeah, where it just literally owns everything. Well, and that's my comparison. Disney and, is, and HBO. Like, like Disney bought Fox. What was it last year or the year before? And that should have been a thing where we said no, but it was allowed to go through. And now Disney owns Fox and forty <laughs> percent of the entertainment market. <laughs> I'm surprised Disney didn't buy the news, Fox News, and with that, considering uh, their morals are so in line with each other. Right. <laughs> I'm I'm calling Disney uh, fascists. No, they are. Anyways, or, or hey, they're, they're at least uh, yeah, no, they're at least they are, sympathizers. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. So, uh, speaking of people who are bad, um. Joe Rogan makes too much money for Spotify, so uh, Spotify, when Neil Young decided to give them an ultimatum because he is pro-vaccine and Joe Rogan is an absolute dipshit, uh, and they looked at the two of them and said, well, Joe Rogan makes us money and Neil Young doesn't make us enough money. So they got rid of Neil Young. So I think this actually comes down to a couple of things. The first is that they've already paid Joe Rogan $100 million to be exclusive to Spotify. And if they get rid of him, I bet there's a thing in the contract that says they can't get any of that back. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For sure. So there's that. And also, I think uh, this Verge article um, puts forth, and I agree with, that Spotify is probably just putting their their weight behind podcasting. Like, they are committed to podcasting more than they are music streaming. And it, yeah. it's probably going to become more and more of just a podcasting hub. And if they're doing that, then it makes sense to keep Joe Rogan around and not Neil Young. Now... Yeah. It's still, um, you're putting your back behind a fucking dude who has Ben Shapiro, Alex Jones, and Jordan fucking Peterson on your goddamn podcast, as opposed to somebody who survived polio as a child <laughs> saying, hey, yeah. maybe, maybe take a vaccine. I wonder why he might be saying that. It might be firsthand experience that they work. <laughs> yeah. So, his music is now off Spotify, Neil Young's. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to affect anything. I don't think Spotify is going to uh, stop. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're not going to lose anything. And I don't think that. enough people are going to drop Spotify for it to be um, damaging to them at all. Yeah. I, I think this is a, a basically a nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's just interesting to note that um, Spotify has made a decision on this. Um, yeah. And they made the wrong one, but 
it, it it's understandable why they made it like from their perspective when we live in a capitalistic society their 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 shit makes sense it's just bad i don't think we have enough time to get into the last one that's fair i'd still want to talk about it but we can put it off for like maybe we can make it our main yeah. topic of next week okay and, i could i could see that yeah and then we can like read a bit more into it and have more to come in with yeah yeah Ooh, what are we talking about this week? I already know because I recommended it to John. Deus Ex. Deus Ex is an action role-playing game developed by Ion Storm and published by Eidos Interactive everywhere that mattered but Nintendo. Listen, Iron Storm is such a fucking badass name for a studio. Oh, yeah, it's, it's beautiful name. <laughs> uh... It's, yeah, and it's made such amazing things as Daikatana. Oh. I mean, the name is still up there with, like, Black Isle, though. Oh! Oh, yeah, no, it's it's a great name. Um, yeah, it was, this was, I, I mean, it came out before Xbox, so it wasn't on Xbox because the console didn't exist for another year. Yeah. Um, but it almost got on, um... Linux, like Ooh. there was a Linux version of it in production before the company that was making that went under. Um, so like they they really put it everywhere, so, but Nintendo. A, a little bit of a pull behind the curtains here, uh, John. When you ask me what I want for a game, uh, l l like to do a game facts of, yeah. what I usually do is I glance over at my uh, my games in my room. But currently, uh -huh. most of my games aren't in my room, and so I stumble around and I say something that just pops into my head. But last week, you asked me after the call had ended, so I was able to walk into my living room and, like, look at all of my games. And I picked ah. this one because I have a PlayStation 2 copy of it. Yep. <laughs> yep. But not a Nintendo one. Nope. I, I, they wouldn't have put it on fucking GameCube anyway. There's no way. It was in 64. Oh, was it, it at was this in point? 64. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the GameCube released real late, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Set in a dystopian cyberpunk world, are there any that aren't? <laughs> you play as J.C. Denton with nanotechnological super abilities fighting against terrorism and conspiracy elements. And also, no, there aren't because, like, cyberpunk... Um, implies dystopia. Yeah. Like, as a genre. <laughs> uh -huh. I, I understand. <laughs> what does JC stand for? Jesus we'll Christ? There. We'll get there. <laughs> Outside of the typical RPG skill points and distribution therein, you also can customize your character with weapon mods as well as nano augmentations. What's a nano-augmentation? It's cyborg shit. Okay. Like actual cyborg? Yeah. Like the character cyborg? Do you end up looking like cyborg? Yeah, yeah. cybernetic devices. Okay. Uh, 
So you can install a maximum of nine. One in the arms, legs, eyes, and head. Two underneath the skin, and three in the torso. Cool. I, I do want it noted that um, I haven't actually played the game yet, despite owning a PS2 copy of it for ten years. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've got a Steam copy, and I've also never played it. <laughs> it's on my it list! <laughs> it is considered to be one of the best games of all time, but... I should yeah. play it. You know, now that I've quit my job, and I have time, I should play it. Ooh. Yeah. The game appears at first to be a relatively typical first-person shooter, albeit with innovative dynamic reticle sizing. But with the consistently unfair numbers of enemies and realistic health, even on easy mode, it becomes much more stealth and tactic-based. So it's not a game that really wants you, like, blazing through it? No, technically you can you can augment and develop skills to be, like, a tank, but you're it, it's always just you versus a bunch of enemies 20 dudes yeah <laughs> and they they just they just fuck you so i do like this is one of the first games that has um like dynamic reticle changing so for for instance like the reticle shows where you're going to shoot however as you move the reticle uh grows or shrinks in size depending on on movement to show where your aim actually is oh so that's if, what that means if if you're aiming or if you're aiming while moving the reticle is going to expand to be you know much larger so you're less accurate because you're moving you know but it shows you hey you're going to be shooting within this larger area but when you're slow or you're standing still and focusing in one direction then it, it gets really small and you can you know be more precise with the weapon and, and like all games pretty it's like, pretty standard thing now yeah but and, not back then and it's like if the it, when you're shooting however big the the circle is it can really land anywhere in there yeah yeah there are dozens of Easter eggs throughout the game, with nods to Blue Harvest or John Landis films, as well as full excerpts from books including The Man Who Is Thursday by G.K. Chesterton, which is just the game's plot in book form, as well as the worst sci-fi book of all time, The Eye of Argon. Uh, I've never heard of The Eye of Argon or The Man Who Was Thursday. Okay. Uh, the Eye of Argon is a novella written in 1970, and it is it is considered to be the worst science fiction book of all time. And this is including and L. Ron Hubbard's catalog? Yes. Uh, yes. Wow. Uh, this it, is worse than Mission a, Earth? Yeah. <laughs> it has... Seven and a half chapters with a lost ending that has uh, been found. So technically, like so, eight the chapters, chapters go one, two, three, three and a half, four, five, what? six, seven, seven and a half, and then the lost ending, what? which is found. Uh, three and a half is larger than three. What? Uh, seven and a half is like. Ten times larger than seven. What? 
And <laughs> uh, also, the entire book is copy free. So uh, if you wanted, we could just start reading it. Ooh, maybe we do a podcast one day where I just do a um, an audiobook version of the Eye of Argon. That'd be cool. It is a it is a classic at um, uh, science fiction conventions to um, take turns reading through the story, and the reader's turn is over when he begins to laugh uncontrollably. So the the point is to read it straight faced. John, as seriously as possible. This is a thing I actually want to do now. Yeah, I I found it and I was like, well, hell yeah, let's do this. <laughs> but not right the second. No, we're in the middle of a, a real episode. If we ever did this, it would come out as a bonus episode. It would not be just mm-hmm. like an episode of the podcast. Come on, John. Oh no, <laughs> we have standards. Except last no. week when we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> As a member of the UNATCO, United Nations Anti-Terrorist Coalition, I hate when a fucking acronym, like, there's no O word, the O just comes from the second letter of coalition. I hate Uh, that, because all the other words in here are are part of the acronym, and then the O O is just like, uh, co! (laughs) how How do you feel about hyphenisms? For, for instance, in this one, anti-terrorist is properly hyphenated. Oh, I like that. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Your base is under. You, you, you like it. Okay, go ahead. I like it what? No, it doesn't matter. Go. <laughs> Your base is under a bombed statue of liberty. Sta- oh, under a bombed statue of liberty in New York, which is appropriately missing the Twin Towers. Except. The game was made in 2000. Plus, in the game, there's a terrible pandemic sweeping the world. Oh, Lady Liberty's time seems limited. Yeah, they just decided not to put the Twin Towers in. I mean, here's the thing. Like, is um, That was a good bet. Like... Yeah, we mentioned. Yeah. I mean, we mentioned it had been attacked <laughs> once already, so like that's not. It's not surprising that it would get attacked again. Yeah, L- L- especially if you consider that uh, George Bush made the attack. I'm kidding. So, <laughs> not a part of that. We, we, we mentioned Alex Jones earlier, and his big claim to fame is that he was able to predict um, the the bomb the the terrorist attack on the two towers. Um, yeah, and. Like, that's bullshit, because Osama bin Laden attacked it in 1993 and said that he would like to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple times, like, like very regularly said, one day, I am going to blow up the Twin Towers again. <laughs> yeah. So- Here, I'm, I'd like to make an, a prediction uh, right now. Uh, because I can foresee the future. At one point, we will have a special episode where we read the Eye of Argon. <laughs> just, just wait. Eventually, I'll be right, and you'll know that I can see the future. Here, I'll make a prediction too. Uh, one day, 
Yves Jambeau will not be the CEO of Ubisoft. <laughs> Has he already said he doesn't want to be the CEO again? No, I'm saying this because one day he'll be dead. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it's a thing that has to come true at some point. Yeah. <laughs> at, at one point, Joe Biden will not be the president of the United States. The gasp! It's guaranteed. <laughs> Anyways. J.C. Denton never has his first name spelled out, but according to designer Harvey Smith, he's a literal descendant of Jesus Christ. Because of course he is. So this book, the, or, or I mean this game, ties into uh, the Dan Brown book. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, of course. The Da Vinci Code. This, that, the Da Vinci Code is a... Uh, a conspiracy theory <laughs> and deus ex is the world except all the conspiracy theories are true right every conspiracy theory that you've heard of is true in deus ex even the fish people with sad human eyes yes even the chupacabras man oh well i mean those are obviously real well yeah of course because they're not they're not conspiracy theories. Right. They're just real. Yeah, that's just a thing in our world. Chupacabras. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Game director Warren Spector has had a rather storied career, starting at Steve Jackson Games. Oh, man. I love Steve Jackson. Uh-huh. <laughs> Making, they're, they're pretty good. among other things, GURPS. Before, <laughs> before working on... Do you know what GURPS is? I don't. Okay. GURPS is a, um, for a long time, it was the leading contender to, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. It is the generic universal role-playing system. Oh, we've talked about this before. Yeah. I remember it now. Did we, did he also work on, um, the Illuminati card game? Because that would make sense. I don't think so. Damn. Uh, but after he worked uh, on GURPS, he worked on nope. Spelljammer for TSR? What's TSR? Yeah. <laughs> uh, TSR was the publisher for D&D. Oh, okay. Then he got into video games and produced several Ultimas, Wing Commander, System Shock, Thief... And then after Deus Ex went on to make an unreleased Half-Life 2 episode... And Epic Mickey. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. He's a really cool dude, and I have his autograph. Yeah, you told me that when I mentioned this episode. Yeah. That's cool as shit. He made Epic Mickey? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and Epic Mickey 2. The Power of 2. Oh, well, of course. An extremely well-received game, Deus Ex was followed by three, six, sequels, as well as several books and comic books. So what are the three possible sequels, John? <laughs> the three possible ones. So, so the three official ones are Invisible War, Human Revolution, and Mankind Divided. The three possible ones, in addition to those, are Deus Ex The Fall... Which was released on iOS. That's just an album by the Gorillas. 
Yeah, uh, that does sound about right. <laughs> uh, Deus Ex Go. Well, that one which... was made by um, Niantic. No. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Um, it's it's part of the uh, the Squeenix Montreal system of like Hitman Go and Lara Croft Go. Lara Croft Go, actually pretty damn good game. I haven't played the others. But their best game but. was Pokemon Go. <laughs> Pokemon No. <laughs> uh, and then the other one is Deus Ex Breach, which is... The best album by The game... Wallflowers. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a game mode in Deus Ex Mankind Divided, and this is a standalone version of it. Whenever I'm feeling sad and I just want to cry, I put on Breach by the Wallflowers and I just lay on the floor. I think you mean Deus Ex Breach? Yeah, that's what I meant. Deus Ex Breach. You know, Jacob Dylan was a big Deus Ex head before Deus Ex was made. Maybe, maybe his real name is Jacob Christ Denton, not Dylan. Well, it, it might be Jacob Christ Dylan. Uh, you can't get rid of the Dylan because he's Bob Dylan's son. I'm sorry, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was game facts. And John, I am now taking a quick break to go pee. Okay. Don't sigh so heavily. <laughs> sigh at a reasonable volume. <sighs> Just so you know, I'm keeping all of that in. God. <laughs> not, I didn't say a damn thing. Not the empty so space. Gonna be silent. Not the empty space, but like everything we said before I left. <laughs> I liked you just sighing over and over. It's great. Uh, anyway, I had to go pee because I had to drink a double white Russian while we recorded because this book that we're going over today, I hate it. It's great. Like, the more I think about this book, the more I hate it. And, like, the recap, it's not going to take that long, but when we're done with the actual recap, I have a bunch of screenshots I want to go over with, with John. He has like 13. It's ridiculous. Yes. Alright. So, John, are you ready to talk about Sword Art Online Progressive Volume 2? I'm ready to listen. Okay. Again, you can inter interject whenever you want. You're allowed. It's okay. I won't get mad okay. much. You will. <laughs> Kirito and Asuna climb the stairs up to the third floor and discuss how Akihiko Kayaba once compared the battle system to a concerto. Rather than heading straight for the main town, however, the two leave for the Lost Woods where Kirito knows he can start a quest chain. They find a pair of NPCs fighting in the forest, a dark elf and a forest elf, and side with the dark elf to win the battle. Kirito knows that both elves are scripted to die in the fight, but Asuna goes into the fight entirely serious, and they never reach the low health condition to trigger that scene. As a result, they manage to save and befriend the dark elf Kismel, and follow her to, the, to her camp, where they can continue the quest line. Immediately, Kirito notices that Kismel doesn't act like a normal NPC should, behaving with more nuances and emotion. 
At the camp, Kismel offers them space in her tent, so they don't have to return to town for lodging. And Asuna has another bath while threatening Kirito's life. Gotta have those baths. Uh Uh-huh. And also constantly threaten to beat the shit out of Kirito. I I need to go back and reread all of these just so I can have a bath counter. <laughs> I want to go back and reread the first book, like the actual like Sword Art Online book, to see if Asuna was all, ever this <coughs> this Sundere. Because it's uh no no she wasn't yeah it's she Asuna Asuna was never this Sundere and also uh didn't really care about baths. Well, I mean, we only knew her but, for a single floor. She'd already had her bath for that floor. <laughs> she's on a she's on a journey to take a bath on every floor. Yeah, well, but as, as if it's just one. She has like three baths in this one floor. This is true. At least. At least. There are probably baths that we don't hear about. Correct. Yeah. I would strongly believe it. Before going to bed, Kirito meets Kismel in the camp's graveyard. She's visiting her sister, who died in their first battle after reaching the third floor, and she and Kirito vow to protect each other. In the morning, the trio heads off to a spider cave for the quest, where they run into Kibao's party. They hide in a corner using Kismel's invisibility cloak to allow Kibao to pass them, since they're not going to the second floor like Kibao is. They find the item necessary for the quest, but then notice Kibao and his party being chased back up the stairs by a giant spider, the monster Kirito and his party would need to kill in the second part of their quest. Kirito, Asuna, and Kismel grab the spider's attention without alerting Kibao to their presence and kill it, collecting the item they don't need yet and allowing them to bypass a return trip. Which, I mean, Kirito really should have just said, hey, let's do this in the first place. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's insane reading the fucking narration where he's like, oh, we'll have to come back here later in order to get the thing for the... Well, Yeah, like, so, so do it now! I mean, it's not that dangerous, and it's a source of XP. I could understand wanting to, you know, just come back, not not potentially bug out the, the quest... Because sometimes, sometimes you do that, and then the quest bugs because it's like you have this, but you shouldn't have it yet. You've you've flagged a later stage of the quest before you reach it, and so you've borked the entire quest. Um, plus, in a death game where you have to have XP in order to like be strong and not be dead for real, because remember, if you die in the game, you die in real you life. Die in real life. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, like, I, I could see, I could see taking two trips, just, just for the XP from killing stupid spiders that don't matter. I mean, the thing with the XP argument, though, I'm gonna push back against that, because it's noted in this book that, uh, they're severely overleveled for where they should be. Um, like, the rule in the beta, he says, was that three times the level of the floor you're on is where you should be at when you fight the boss. They're on the third floor, so they should be at least level 9. By the end of this book, Kirito is level 16. Yeah. Uh, a little pushback against that. On floor 1, they were all much higher level, and someone still died. So... Well, that's because he got greedy. 
Yeah, but I mean, humans are greedy. Yeah. That's just how it is. Especially Kirito, who consistently gets the last attack bonus. God, it's so annoying. He's, ne he's never not gotten it. <laughs> when they get to the camp, Kismel asks for time alone, as the quest had reminded her, her of her dead sister. And Kirito and Asuna take the opportunity to visit the elven blacksmith in the camp to get Asuna a new weapon. They melt down her old wind floret and use the resulting metal bar to craft her a new weapon, a chivalric rapier, that Kirito notes is ultra good. They then boost his anneal blade to the maximum and her rapier to plus five, even though he should totally just get rid of the anneal blade at this point. And even Kirito yeah. notice, knows it and he's just being sentimental about it, a thing which he criticized Asuna for in the last book. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, he needs his Anil Blade plus three, was it? Or what? No, no, it was plus four. It was plus six to begin with. Was... He starts the book oh, plus yeah, six. Yeah, thank you. Anil Blade plus six. Thank and then you. he gets it to plus eight here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the pair head back to town, but on the way, notice Lind's Guild no attempting the elf quest chain on the side of the forest elves. They think they'll see a second copy of Kismel, who is destined to die in this fight every time someone attempts it, but she has been replaced with a different dark elf. Kirito also notes a man in Lin's party with a metal coif obscuring his face, who will be important later. They get to town and spend a few hours resting in an inn before leaving for the planned strategy meeting. At the meeting, Lin and Kibao announce the formation of their guilds, the Dragon Knights Brigade and Einkrad Liberation Squad respectively. Lind also says that because they have now officially evenly split the majority of the top players between them, while most anyone of a sufficient level can apply to either guild, Kirito and Asuna are required to join separate guilds, if they do so at all. This pisses Asuna off, but Kirito stops her from having any kind of cool moment for herself, because that's not what these books are about. He gets advice from a voice in his head that sounds like Kismel while doing so, and he and Asuna have a heart-to-heart -heart about the state of their party. It's like Asuna says, like, or Kirito asks her, like, what would you do if I died? And Asuna's like, well, I'll just keep, like, pushing forward. And she's like, what would you do if I died? And Kirito's like, I can't think of the words. What do I say? I need to say something. I, I don't want you to die. <laughs> it's like that's not an answer to the yeah. question dude yeah yeah the top players agree to meet back in a couple of days and outside town kirito asks kismel to reveal herself as she had actually been in town whispering to him kirito says some dumb shit because as a man he's not allowed to express his motion his emotions more than once a week and kismel gives them some backstory about the elves humans dwarves and einkrad itself what are you saying, John? No, <laughs> you're 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 absolutely correct. Right. <laughs> let's let's just get that out of the way. This is the part where Kirito's like, "Wow, I was just imagining which one of you would be a better wife uh -huh. for me." He's <laughs> like, "Wow, you're an idiot." Right. It, was that in any way better than just saying what was on your mind? No. No. Cool. No. <laughs> 
They blaze through several elf quests in three days, and Kirito has a bath with Kismel, where she reveals that she's been having dreams about Kirito starting the elf quest in the beta, when he watched her die three separate times. Kirito slips out that night so he can do some main character shit. He starts by meeting with Argo, who tells him that the man with the coif is named Morte, and he's a recent addition to Lin's guild. Kirito then goes to do the next quest by himself, as it's a stealth-based mission done easier alone, though he still should have told people. We know this because he's confronted by Morte behind the forest elf camp Kirito's meant to be infiltrating. Morte challenges him to a duel, Kirito accepts for no reason but pride, and then too late Kirito realizes Morte is probably using the mechanics of dueling as a legal method of player killing. The two kick each other's ass, but are interrupted by noises just as they're about to decide the fight. Morte runs away, and the duel times out and ends in a draw. Kirito checks on the noises and finds Lin's and Kibao's guilds bickering about who gets to do the quest next, because the forest elf camp will move once a quest is finished inside it. Kirito, also, this only works this way because Kirito is in the dark elf camp, um, because it makes no sense that the que the forest elf camp moves around constantly, and the dark elf camp doesn't when you can choose either side. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, the forest elf camp oh, works no, 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 so, no, this wait. way only because Kirito does the dark elf side. Uh, not quite. So, there's the dark elf base and the forest elf base... But the forest elf camp is a separate thing that moves around. Oh, those are two different things. Yes, there's there's a camp and a base. Oh, I had the same confusion as you at the very beginning, but I took a better look at the map and, and figured it out. Okay, all right. I didn't go back and look at the map. Mm. Yeah. Kirito decides to resolve this by doing his quest, pissing off both groups, and then telling them it was him. Kibao thinks the quest chain gives important information about the boss on this floor, despite absolutely no evidence supporting this, and Kirito says one of the two groups needs to drop the quests. They accuse Kirito of wanting to hoard information and, rewar and rewards for himself, and he says he'll drop the quests too and beat them to the boss lair. Nobody believes him, and then Asuna and Kismel show up because they're allowed to be relevant as long as we're just talking. It's, ulti it's ultimately decided both Lind and Kibao will drop the quests, and Kirito and Asuna will finish them to see if there's any relevant information to be gained. From here, it's a fast forward to the end of the book. Kirito, Asuna, and Kismel power through the campaign, and when it's discovered fallen elves are working with the forest elves, Kismel takes an elf-only path to the fourth floor to inform her main force. The now duo turns in the last quest available on the third floor and are told that the boss uses poison attacks, so they should take a lot of antidotes. They inform the rest of the frontrunners of this at the strategy meeting, and the third boss is defeated without incident. That legit takes place over the course of, like, three pages? Like, three pages, <laughs> it's, yeah. Oh, also there's a loud guy named Joe in Kibao's guild who is clearly working with Morte to incite antagonism between the two guilds and the solo players. But, like, Kirito never seems to catch on to that. He just thinks Joe is, like, a loud asshole. But he's very clearly the partner that he thinks Morte has. 
Well, I don't know that he thinks Morte has a p- partner. Morte is working both sides. He's on both guilds. No, at one point, I guess without at one point he asks Morte directly, like, "Who's your dueling partner? Like, you couldn't have gotten this good without having somebody uh, who like uh, like trains with you." Joe is clearly that person, like one hundred percent. Okay, that that didn't seem obvious to me but perhaps i missed it i see just like kirito <laughs> uh yeah so so both this book and the next book uh suffer from uh i ran on too long in the middle with the interesting bits and then couldn't get to the end uh I oh does it uh which is which is directly stated in the um the Afterward. Oh, I didn't even read the yeah. afterword for this one. Yeah, yeah, the afterword for both of them, uh, this book and the next one is like, so yeah, I wasn't going to type so much or to, to write so much about the NPCs, and then it just became super interesting to me. So I wrote too much about that, and then I got it got too late, and I had to just finish it. So I just finished it. So, so like there, it doesn't it doesn't talk about the boss at all. My my understanding from like they they chat in the book a little bit. They're like, I think it's a hippo, and it's got a, a giant hippo that you have to fight. Uh, and then the end of the boss, uh, the end of the chapter, it's like, so they told them about the the different strategy, and then they won, and nobody died. <laughs> like it, it it doesn't even give a name or anything. It's just like yeah. So then they, they beat the, the floor and went on to the next level. Well, one thing I had to look up um, while writing this recap was when Infinite Dendrogram was published. Because this is uh, this is pretty much just Infinite Dendrogram. Like, the big plot of In- Infinite Dendrogram is that all of the NPCs seem to be real people. And the main character is, has, like, one of the special... Uh, things that you get in the game like his is super special because he sees the npcs as people uh, and so i was reading yeah. this this book and i was like this just feels like infinite dendrogram <laughs> done poorly <laughs> but it turns out that infinite dendrogram started two years after this so it's really just uh progressive two done well <laughs> okay yeah I thought it was worth mentioning that. So, John, before we we hopped into all of my uh, my screenshots here, did you have anything else you wanted to say about it? Um. So you you've got a lot of screenshots that point out a lot of the the horniness and awkwardness <laughs> and shittiness of Kirito. Uh-huh. And the the apparent cluelessness of Asuna, which I could understand some of, because she doesn't play video games. Um, well, that's not even. We'll, we'll get into that once we start talking about them more specifically. But I have a different argument for those. But my 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 general take on this book is that I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Finished the thing as fast as possible. Got on to the next one. I will say this is Man, still more for, readable. For four, five and six. This is still more readable than Sword Art Online one. Everything was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I mean, Sword Art Online 1 is better than many of the books that we've read because we've read some absolute garbage yes. uh, last year. Like, the bar but, is low. But it's still not great. No, it's still horrible. And and so, uh, I, I guess, quick aside, uh, this past week, I went back with my wife, got drunk, and we wa- rewatched the entire Einkrad arc of Sword Art Online. Just we just sat down, drank a lot, and watched the whole thing. And first of all, uh Sword Art Online as a whole, uh the best of Sword Art Online is the first half of the first season. Immediately followed by the worst of Sword Art Online, which is the second half of the first season. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh but like the 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 first half of the first season is the best of of Sword Art Online, and with that, uh, the best parts of that of the anime are honestly the stuff that comes from Progressive. Yes, <laughs> the, 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 like three storylines that happen. Like uh, watching, and, and honestly, I picked up on more things. Uh, this time after having watched progressive because argo the rat is in the anime for like a single scene yeah but still i I was like holy shit that's that's argo um yeah like knowing who the uh the the dragon knights brigades shows up like three or four different times in the anime and uh they're always just major dickwads um because linda's just a douchebag linda sucks because so Lind's bad just a douchebag. <laughs> i hate lind so i didn't even mention it in the in the recap but at, at one point kirito finally tells lind what diavel's final words were and lind somehow gets like some deep meaning from it despite those words being just kill the boss it's up to you yeah. now kill the boss I'm like, fuck you, Lind. There's nothing deep to get from that. <laughs> no, it's 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 garbage. And Linda's garbage. Yeah. Uh, I like Kibao a lot more, despite Kibao being more, like, openly antagonistic. Linda's one of those people who yeah. thinks he's being diplomatic about things, but he's really just a giant gaping asshole. And, and that's one of the interesting things about Kibao is that, like, Kibao's a very complex character, surprisingly. Like, really surprisingly. Because, on the one hand, he's the one that's most vociferously antagonistic to Kirito. But on the other hand, he is also the one that, like, privately is kind of the chillest with Kirito. He respects Kirito a lot, despite how much he hates Kirito. So, like, it's, uh, Kibao, giant shithead, but super interesting character. Lind, meanwhile, is just like, shut up, dude. <laughs> just yeah. shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> yeah, and all of his ideas are just bad or wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's get into the garbage that you have. All right, we're going to work, we're going to work from the bottom of these up. Because I uploaded them in the wrong order. Okay. Alright. So, this first one. I'm going to read this passage. 
Regret would be the normal choice. Anyone who didn't regret getting stuck in here was insane. But no matter how far back I scrolled through my emotional event log, despite the presence of terror or homesickness, there were no hits for regret. I've never read Ready Player One. This is what I imagine Ready Player One reads like. (laughs) (laughs) Just like talking about shit in ways that you don't need to talk about. Just talk about your emotions like a fucking human being, Kirito. Just ever. Ever have an emotion. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, The second one here. Alright, so this one. This is one of the ones where you think I'm, like, criticizing Asuna for not knowing what game terms are. My criticism here is that Asuna is supposed to be, like, a a very well-studied person. Like, Sword Art Online was the first game she ever picked up. It was just on a whim. And, And most of her life up to this point was just studying in school. Yes. And she is confused by the word instance. And, and, and like, if she was confused about the term itself, like asking, like, what is what is what's an instance? That would be one thing. I would agree with you there. But what she says here is, instance, as if she's confused by the word. And it's like, instance has more meanings than just outside of just um, gaming shit. It's like a word, you know? Yeah. But my okay, so here's here's my understanding of uh, of Aincrad, of Sword Art Online, is that it is a game that you can choose your own language, uh, and you know they they canonically choose Japanese, um, but that most of the terms in the game are weirdly Western. But even then, if she's and such a well-studied I, person. I'm assuming she's pretty good at English because it is a required course in Japanese schools. Yeah. So she would still know the word instance. I don't know. I I, I feel like instance is not one of those words that you need to use very often. I don't think it gets used often, but it's not one... If you're talking to someone on the street and you dropped an instance, they're not going to be confused about what the word is here <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't know that uh, like if you speak english fluently then you know all of the words but you don't have to know all of the words to speak another language you know just in general and i don't i don't think they're they're being taught to be like fluent american english speakers so okay i disagree but i see what you're saying the next one uh is just it's it's one of those stupid japanese puns is it so what i was thinking is it might be it might be like a translation thing i wasn't even going to put this on reiki kawahara I was going to say this is something that maybe the translator should have done a better job of localizing. Yeah. So this this one is, uh, uh, do you have to get rid of those little, is, 
speaking of spiders in the nest do we have to get rid of those little ones too no those are just critters what do they jingle i turned upward to look at her in confusion she spoke with the bossy tone of a teacher explaining to her students didn't you just say it was a clitter like clitter clatter do they make lots of noise they had to explain that so much (laughs) because it's such a leap like (laughs) yeah well uh so l's and r's yeah they don't really exist in japanese yeah yeah the the r sound is not technically the r sound it's like somewhere in between an l and an r and they just don't have an l so yeah so it's they hear l's as that weird in between lr and yeah yeah like i i think that's just a translation thing i'm criticizing the translator there honestly Okay. Yeah, it it really should have been written better on the back end. Uh, this next one is a bit more important, though. It's where I realized that Rikikawahara has built homophobia into Sword Art Online's game system. So, let me just read this passage. Uh, they're talking about a, an instant teleport system that... Like, if you harass another character, like, sexually harass another character, you will be instantly teleported to, um, Black Iron Prison. Like, a prison underneath the first floor. Yeah. Not only did the automatic teleportation to the prison involve an unpleasant force, like an electric shock knocking the player back, which I'd never felt myself, but it had to be initiated several times. And the other player had to be of the opposite sex. Yeah. Why does it have to be of the opposite sex? You know that the gay this, people exist. This, this is Japan. This is Japan. It's just, it's just you're building homophobia homophobia into it. It's this I can Japan. still criticize them for it. They're woke people it's, in Japan. There are, but <laughs> in general, Japan, this is normal. And also, uh, late, reading on, it was easier to simply run away from battle than spend a bunch of time fondling each other. And of course, SAO's ratio of men to women was frightfully skewed. This is also Reiki Kawahara not understanding the, democra- the demographics of games, like in any way. Because there's like a 90% population of dudes in in sao and that's just not how games work if you look at like who's talking about final fantasy 14 on twitter for example it's like mostly women Hmm. like it's this is just isn't how games work and and then uh, also criticism of reiki kawahara he then has that 10 percent um population of women all fall in love with kirito so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah because there's argo and lisbeth and silica and <laughs> yeah and that's all the women <laughs> yep that's all of them also the girl that died oh yeah that's right yep. well there was that that one girl who uh was going after silica oh that was like a laughing coffin member right 
No. Oh, just no, a random was, player it killer. It was a different. It was it, it was a different red guild. Oh, okay. Um, because totally multiples yep. of those would pop up. Yep. Um, in this next in this next screenshot, I just got pissed off at this because. <laughs> In, in in infinite dendrogram again when you when you go into the game one day in real life is equivalent to three days in the game and, and this is done by just like making time run, like, like your perception of time move faster like the game operates faster and then your brain um perceives it to be moving at normal speed because it's all just yeah. digital shit and you can do that mm-hmm. uh in this passage, uh, Asana's like, I, or, okay, you don't think that time flows differently in that elf camp, do you? I don't think even the nerve gear can affect the passage of time, I said, laughing it off. That's not what I'm saying. It can send this realistic data to our sensory centers, so maybe it can adjust the way we perceive time. That's all I'm wondering. The way we perceive it. So even if only one day has actually passed, it feels like three? Yes. Wait, forget I said that. There's no use for that function. Huh? I stared at her in confusion. She blinked a few times, because people just blink randomly, searching for the right words, then murmured, I just don't want to rely on false hopes. In a flash, I understood what she meant. She'd been hoping that these 39 days in the world of SAO were a shorter period of time in real life. Say, 10 days. Or just one. Maybe even a single second. How much easier her life would be if that were true. But sadly, it was clearly impossible for one's mind and senses to be accelerated to hundreds of times the normal speed during a full dive. I didn't know the fundamental properties of how the nerve gear worked, but even I could guarantee that. How? How can you guarantee that? It's just your mind, dude. Did you know that when you dream, you can live like an entire fucking lifetime and then you wake up and it's just six hours later? Your mind can do crazy shit. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and also, Asana saying there's no use for that function. I mean, sh on one hand, she's right. But she's only right because Akihiko Kayaba has no use for that function because he's abusing these people. Yeah. If this was a real game, that would be a really good function because then you get more playtime out of a shorter period of time actually playing the game. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's a really good system for that. It's not good for Kayaba because he hates you. <laughs> um, in this one... Kirito or Asana doesn't want to join a guild and her reason is that guilds set it up so that a certain percentage of the money you make gets automatically deducted. That's an insane system? Who would design that? Because listen, if this was a real game, because you have to think of Sword Art Online as being a real game, right? Because more people than yeah. just Kayaba worked on it. It's just Kayaba went into the back end and said, okay, but once launch day happens, they can't log out. But people were designing this to just be a retail product. Mm -hmm. This system makes it so that people who have a lot of time to play 
can gain a lot of money, even being in a guild that automatically deducts from you, right? But if you're only able to play yeah. for a couple of hours a day, then you're not able to gain anything if you're in a guild because so much of what you're making, like the little amount that you're able to rake in, is being taken by the guild. It's it's very elitist. Yeah. Well, the the point of those funds, and, and this is something that uh, they point out in the actual... Uh, I'll say in the anime, because I don't know if it's actually in the book, uh, that the guilds get that extra money so that they can equip their lesser players. Yes. So that, that, that money goes into a pool, which then allows them to... You know that that way you you've got your your overachievers like Kirito who's making tons of of money and XP and stuff, but some of that goes into a pool so that the you know the people who maybe are not as frontline or you know because because that's another thing you get the stuff you get based off of what you kill yes so. If you are getting the last strike on everything, Kirito. So you're getting <laughs> the most money, then some of that goes to other people in the guild so that it's not just, you know, one person having all of the money because they're an overachiever. Uh, what I will, uh, I have a lot of experience playing MMOs and even being a guild leader several times. And. Most MMOs have a banking system, but it's kind of like an opt-in thing where you your top players can say like, yeah, I'll, I'll start putting things into the guild bank and then we'll use that to help outfit the lesser leveled players, right? Yeah. But, but it doesn't force the lower leveled players to also add into that. Like that—that's the issue I have with it. Is—is is that it? It seems to not be an opt-in, opt-out kind of thing. It's just everybody puts in this amount, no matter what, and that—that that creates like an elitist system where people who have a lot more time to play are able to gain a lot more. And even though they're adding more to the um, guild stockpile as well, they're still keeping the majority of it for themselves. All right, so I'm going to uh, combat this uh, with the stupidity of our current game design system, which is that uh, this is a perfectly workable system and would be relatively easy to develop versus an opt-in system. Uh, so they just did this for the release version, and then later down the line they were going to do a, a guild pass and go over all the guilds and, and make better quality of life things. But this was just what they were going to do for the release. Okay, I can accept that. Because games don't release uh, as the full game. Especially not MMOs like this. Oh, yeah, especially not. Even though it totally released in like like all 100 floors <laughs> available and shit. Which is yeah. unheard of for an MMO. It did have that. It did have that bug where it murdered everyone inside. There but, is that. You know. <laughs> That wasn't a bug, though. That was just a bonus feature. That was a feature. Yeah. Uh, in this next next uh, screenshot, 
we have another instance of them talking about parties in a way that makes me think that this game that Reki Kawahara wants to be all about partying up is actually best played not in a party. And that's by Kirito actually saying it's best not to play it in a big party. Uh, Asuna's asking... Well, he, he says he says specifically it's more efficient gaining experience alone or with a partner than at in a large party, at least in the early stages. So, from a purely min-maxing setup, yes. However, there is the whole thing about it being a murder game right but even so. then it seems like the best way to play the game is to go about in small groups of two or three and kill all the mobs and every time there's a boss get together a big group of people that's yeah. how the game is played like there there seems to be no real reason for the the six person part party like, the six-person party exists solely so that they can get together eight groups of those to fight a boss. Yeah. I guess you could also, you know, there's there's better ways of tactically playing with the different weapons and such. So. Alright, in this next screenshot, we have Kirito... I mean, really, this is Reiki Kawahara adding words to his book this is he needs to meet a word count and so he adds words where they shouldn't be so i'm going to read this for you john argo the rat was the first and best information agent in Einkrad. i known her for a long time if a month counted as long but barely knew anything about her personally i was pretty sure she was a girl pretty sure she was somewhere between her late teens or early 20s and pretty sure she was also a beta tester. Now, John, what is wrong with that last sentence? Well, we know she is for sure a beta tester. Yes, she has told him multiple times that she's a beta tester. He only has the martial arts skill that he uses in this book because she knew where to get it from going there in the beta test. So why are you pretty sure she's a beta tester and for that matter uh, why are you pretty sure she's a girl everybody has their real uh, life appearances as forced on them by yeah, Akihiko Kaiba the time. she wears a hood all the she time. calls herself big sis yeah <laughs> I'm not one to impress upon someone a gender binary. So he's either transphobic or he's adding yes. words to this. <laughs> Those are the two options I'm hearing from you, John. This is tiny nitpick. It is, but it 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 it, it illustrates a point of this book that I just it it infuriates me. Where I have a we'll skip ahead to one that really pisses me off. Kibao jabbed an index finger at me. As opposed to jabbing a pinky finger or a ring finger. Like Kirito, Reiki Kawahara. If someone is pointing at you, I assume it's with their, their index finger. 
You can just say he jabbed yeah. a finger. I don't need to know it's an index finger. That makes me think that you think it's possible he's shoving a middle finger in your face. <laughs> Which doesn't make sense. Could be. Could be. <laughs> like, there's just a, a lot of instant. These are just a couple of instances I took pictures of. But there's a lot of points in the book where he's overly specific with things. Or needlessly vague with things. And it feels like it's just to add word count. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and we'll skip most of the rest of these, but I have a bone to pick with this last one. This is during the fight with Morte. Kirito notes that, uh, when Morte smiles, one of his canines glinted in anger. So a glint means that, like, a flash of light, right? I don't see this one. It's the one that's sideways because my phone fucked up for some reason. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, so that. this implies that because Morte is angry, his his tooth flashed. <laughs> <laughs> there's no caught the light. There's no could, there's could no implication the of light in this sentence or in any surrounding sentence. It's just Morte smiled and one of his canines glinted in anger. That's insane. Yeah. That th it makes it sound like Morte maybe has some kind of like cosmetic attached to his character that allows his teeth to like LED light up. Uh, I don't know. It's it's very picturesque. So it's just worded very weird because of the the. If he just said his canines glinted, then I would assume it's from the light, right? Like the yeah. moonlight shining down on them, even though there's a big giant mm -hmm. thing of earth above them. But the mm -hmm. fact that he adds afterwards in anger, it makes it sound like the anger is what's causing it to glint. And that just doesn't make yeah. sense. Write words better, Reiki Kawahara. Write words better. Words have meanings, so use them for their proper meanings. In conclusion, you don't like this. I liked it more than regular SAO. And more than okay. the Invincible Shovel. Well, easy. And there was another really bad book. Oh, it was like that self-published book. Reborn as a billionaire in another oh, world. Yeah. Way better than that. Yeah. Oh, man. Such a terrible book. I would never... I can't wait to read the second chapter. I would never reread this book, though. I didn't... I didn't absolutely I despise reading it, but I'm not gonna reread it. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Ricky Kawahara really improved a lot between the years of writing the first Sword Art Online book and writing these, but he's still just not a talented author. It... it Feels like he's still just kind of a person who got into writing because he thought it would be like a lucrative way to make money. And mm -hmm. he's just kind of what do you, refined that craft. What do you think of Excel World? I've never read it or watched it. Um, I've seen, I, okay. I saw like the artwork of Excel World and I was like, 
This is just going to be a bunch of fat jokes over and over again, isn't it? It's just going to be constant fat jokes. I don't know. I'm an SAO fan, not an Excel word right. fan. Uh, tell me in the in the reviews it, or email me if Excel World is not mostly fat jokes at the expense of the main character. <laughs> email me at glowingweekpointpodcast at gmail if it's not just fat jokes. And uh, with that, we we have ended this. So uh, please. Uh... Share this with someone who I'm trying to remember uh, lives in a dystopia. So, like, with everyone, share this with everyone. Yeah, we all live in a dystopia every day of every moment of every life. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it'll never get better. Goodbye.